Hi, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 38 of Shades of Brown. And whenever you're listening to this, it's it's uh, the schedule's going to be a bit weird because uh, of technical issues. Yeah, uh, uh, LOL, Apple customer support. Uh, so what's what's been going on? Just a quick. Uh, so September had a hurricane. It had uh, a week of me being burnt out. It had computer issues I've ran through now. Uh, my display broke once. Then it, No, no, it broke once back in May. I got a replacement for it. And then I started getting really bad backlight bleed where uh, the display was getting yellow in all the corners, which is uh, gross. So I brought it to Apple. And for two weeks straight, they've had it over there because they're waiting for a screen replacement to come in. And I really should have. They should have just let me bring in the computer when they had the screen replacement. But that's I have it back now. So uh, it's been it's been a little strange, but we are back getting back to business. Uh, and so this week we we're going to just uh, talk about Microsoft's fall releases. So I think we're going to start with the Windows 10 fall creators update. Yeah, uh, we're going to start uh, Windows 10 creators update. Uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of mixed reality stuff. I think the biggest part of it, this is the mixed reality. There's also the uh, design changes. Uh, the fluent design changes uh, have started coming in. So, Christian, do you want to talk about fluent design for a bit? Uh, so, uh, if you hate inconsistency, uh, Fall Creators Update is not for you. So, what they've been doing, um, parts of the shell have fluent design elements. The Action Center does. Control Panel does. Minor things in the Start menu do. But not the full shell. Taskbar does not have fluent design elements. Uh, I believe live tiles do not have them right now. I think it's only an insider builds uh, file explorer like it has none of it. Right. So bits and pieces of the OS have fluid design. Uh, mobile has it more. Xbox has it more. We'll talk about Xbox later. But uh, so with the desktop, though, um, there is new fluent design stuff. You can tell that they're moving over to it. I believe by next year's release, they're probably going to be completely uh, done with uh, doing everything in fluent design. Well, like the baseline stuff, right? They're still probably going to. It's, it's like how material design was, right? Android Lollipop had some holo things if you looked closely, but for the most part, material design was there. I expect it to be at that point by next release. Um, I think it's good. I think this new fluent design stuff is interesting. It's definitely a unified look, which Windows 10 has been lacking, right? So Microsoft had like, with Windows Phone 7, right? There's Metro, of course. And then like with Windows 8.1 for desktop, it was like a big mix of metaphors. Windows 10 came around. It was like a weird mix of, of like random metaphors and like old Windows design thought. Where it was just like a WPF, Windows <clears throat> Platform Foundation, whatever it's called. Those, that kind of stuff. I like think Aeroglass, Vista, uh, Windows 7 UI design, and then random bits of Metro here and there just to make it look flat and quote unquote modern. So at least at Fluent Design now, there is a generally agreed upon, at least within Microsoft, sort of UX standards, right? So how things should work how things should look and how you should interact with them. So I expect more apps to be updated with this office and the rest of them to just at least act consistent across apps and look consistent, which is a good thing. Yeah. So the, the notifications uh, thing is that the notifications center uh, got like, a, a, it's a little bit different. It looks, there's more padding to the uh, to the left and right. Uh, it looks more central. Uh, and it's uh, I think they changed up the buttons a little bit. Uh, the tra- oh, tra- it's more translucent, right? I think it's it's that's what this is. Like yeah, it has like that. Think of like a not arrow glass, but more of like iOS kind of glass. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, that glass translucency effect, which which looks nice. Uh, I, I I've installed uh, the Fall Creators update on all my Windows PCs. I haven't had any issues so far. Uh, it's all good. Uh, yeah, so uh, just a note about issues, though. So Microsoft does there's Windows releases as a rolling release. And ter- well, not rolling release. What's it? Um, what, what's it called again? Where you uh, you start with a certain amount of devices and then you slow staggered release. There you go. So if you check Windows Update and Windows 10 Fall Creators Update is not showing up for you right now, it's for a reason, right? They're testing against device configurations. You can manually override it, but there have been reports of issues popping up on devices that haven't been fully patched yet to to work right if any drivers have been updated or anything like that so uh it's not there's nothing huge in this version right it's just bug fixes and as such so if you if you can i would say wait until it pops up for you in windows update because you're not going to be missing out on that much uh and system stability is more important than having the latest features right now yeah 
Uh, one of the features is that's kind of nice is Windows 10 uh, has OneDrive files on demand. Uh, this is basically where you, you see like files that are not actually on your drive but are on OneDrive, and you can like stream them. Like you can have them open up and be like still be in the cloud and stuff like that. So it's 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 uh, it just makes using OneDrive like much more uh, smoother. Like you don't have to keep everything downloaded if you don't want to. Like if you have limited disk space. Uh, you can just download uh, the file whenever you need to download uh, download the file, stuff like that. So, yeah, like, it's how OneDrive it, used to work. If you're thinking, right? If you're thinking, isn't isn't this a feature? It sounds familiar. Yeah, back in Windows Seven, OneDrive worked like that. Uh, you could uh, set things to be placeholders or have them on demand or whatever, right? And then Microsoft took it out because reasons. And at least at least in like Dropbox, they don't charge you for it because Dropbox has this now, but I have to pay Dropbox for it, which is kind of lame. So, uh, mixed reality. Uh, I think we talked about that last week, but there's not like there's the new mixed reality viewer, right? There is the. Uh, I mean, it's, it's and there's a whole entire like the cliff house thing we we're talking about last week, right? Where it's like you can have the physical desk and the spatial stuff. We 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 went into depth into this in last week's episode, so um, it's just essentially all of that stuff, which is great. It's again, who knows how much it'll take off uh windows 10 uh microsoft edge got a few updates uh i guess uh you can now pin websites to your taskbar like i guess Maybe, um, let me, I, let's rephrase that they brought back the feature from internet explorer that shipped in windows 10 where you can uh windows 7 where you can do that i don't think it's like a new feature i'm pretty sure i remember i remember when i ran that blog years ago adding the thing to add jump lists and stuff to the uh to the icon. So this is a feature they're bringing back. But there is a uh, there's a PDF at ebook, right? You can you can do you can read PDFs at ebooks in the careers update and then mark them up and all that, which is actually interesting. I I guess it makes sense that doing a Microsoft Edge, although I think a separate app would make more sense. But yeah, yeah, a separate app would would actually make sense for that. Like or integrated into uh, OneNote uh, stuff. I mean, uh, there's also a new emoji like panel. It's a picker. Uh, it's, it's the same thing as Mac OS, yeah. right? And there's a keyboard shortcut, which, um, do you know the shortcut off the top of your head? I'm looking for uh, it right now. Windows, Windows and the period key. Uh, so we'll open up a dedicated panel where you can select emojis. Uh, there's even a search function. No. Finally. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're on Mac OS and you've been wondering, you're thinking, what do you mean there's an emoji picker? Uh, control command spacebar will let you, will bring up a emoji picker. Um, so Windows users, does this, this hopefully this means that more web apps can now remove that really slow to load uh, emoji picker? Well, probably not, but <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, hashtag uh, Linux. Yeah, but um, yeah. also too, we got to talk about a very useless feature, which I imagine is going to be killed in three releases. Yeah, my people. Why? Yeah, what? What is? What is that? What's the <laughs> point of this? Nobody, nobody does. Need, uh. Uh, what do you um, mean? I, you don't have me pinned to your taskbar? Ah. Oh. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> does that like even does that only work with like Microsoft specific apps like Skype? Apps can like... build in support for it. There's UWP APIs, but uh, this has been a thing you can help build. You can like build support in for since like April, and not a single app I'm pretty sure has actually built in support. No, for this. nobody. Yeah, nobody's gonna bother with this. Like it's, it's I disabled it already. You can just hide it. You don't you don't keep it in. Uh, it's 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 like you right click on the taskbar and it's like uh hide the people's uh thing and yeah like it's only useful if you use Skype and all Microsoft app and your contacts are in Microsoft uh and you use Microsoft Mail uh either Flippy app and like it's like otherwise it's yeah you know if if you don't have the integrations already it's it's not gonna be useful to you um, yeah so there's also um some new Cortana stuff uh there's support for the uh. Now you can build Cortana to speakers, things like an Echo, so there's support for adding those devices to your Microsoft account. Um, you can now, let's see, add information to the notebook. Um, so you can like circle things or you can take photos of things and add reminders and such um, for Cortana to remind you about later. Uh, besides that, though, there hasn't been that much new stuff with Cortana, which is interesting. I... I think Microsoft's pushing Cortana, right? But are they really? Because like, I it's, yeah, it's it's a, it feels a bit like understated. Like Cortana's stuff is uh, uh, the OS doesn't even like tell you to like if you have it disabled, like it doesn't like bother you to enable it either, which is which is also a thing. Uh, but yeah, like because I think these Cort things make more sense on mobile, right? 
I think that's a problem, right? Because I know we talked about in the high state review. Like I, I use Siri sometimes on my God damn it, my phone went off. <laughs> Sorry. I, I use Siri on my Mac sometimes, right? But at the end of the day, it's not it, even if you have like a keyboard interface for it, it still doesn't really make that much sense when you're using like when you're using an actual desktop and you're yeah, trying to because, get work done. Yeah, like with a desktop, you can you can easily like the, the stuff that that uh that a, an assistant can do you can also do it like pretty fast like it's it's it, and it's probably more accurate for you to actually do it yourself i don't know because fumbling with the voice commands is, is another like the voice interaction model is not smooth uh like most guis uh are these days so it's like it's still it's still janky to use these things so most of the time it's even on mobile it's preferable to actually interact with the uh operating system yourself to do these tasks and let's see, there's also a app called Story Remix, which is built into the Photos app. It's like a separate side component. That is a light video editor that allows you to... So if you use um, iCloud Photos or if you use Google Photos, there is a feature. Right? It's called Memory as an iOS. I forgot what Google calls it on Google Photos, where it'll take all of your pictures and stuff, run it through a uh, hashtag algorithm, and then spit out a video with like viewed music and cuts of all the pictures and stuff. And they'll try to pick the best ones and give you like a little nice memento to share from a day you went out, whatever, and took a bunch of pictures. So this is essentially a way to do that manually. Yeah, it's it's like making like you want to make collages and like uh, videos, like, like animated yeah, videos. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, it's it's a nice it's a nice feature yeah. addition. Yeah, um, I mean, it is the creator's update, so. Have. Are you creating with your people? <laughs> oh god! Oh um, god! So there's also phone support now, um, and by phone support, you can link your phone to your PC, and by that, I mean you download it. If you're an iOS, you can download a third-party app called Send a Phone. Android, I believe, is also called Send a Phone. What it does is you can share links to your to that app, share content to that app, share text to that app, and it'll appear on your PC. If it's a link, it'll open it in Edge, only Edge right now, because just Microsoft reasons. Um, if you share text, it'll add it to your clipboard. I believe you share images, it'll add it to your clipboard. And you can just move content that way. Um, it's Since Microsoft doesn't own their own phone platform, right? Like on, I know with, with Mac OS, I can just copy text on my MacBook and it'll pop up in the clipboard on my phone. Uh, can't really do that with the limits of iOS and Android. I believe Android sharing is a little bit easier. You don't have to consistently be sending it to the share intent. I think you can you can do some clipboard stuff. Um, if on Android, there's also a new Microsoft Launcher, which will integrate with your PC. And of course, if we're talking about last week, Microsoft Edge came to mobile, so you can also it also show tabs and all that through through your uh, PC. And apps can build and support for it, right? If you build in Cortana, you can build Cortana into your app uh, for iOS and Android. There are SDKs for it. You can also build support for this into your app. And so um, you can do like a sort of handoff feature. So handoff is on Mac OS where say I have uh, a document open in IA Writer, right? Like I'm writing up the show notes on my phone or whatever. And then on my MacBook on the dock, it's gonna pop up a special IA icon on the left side of the dock that has my phone overlaid on it. And if I click that, it'll open the uh, document that I'm working on on my phone on my computer. So it's essentially that, but for your PC, I doubt any apps outside of first-party Microsoft ones you can build in support for it. Because A, no one really has a UWP app in the Windows Store. And B, like how many people are actually going to use this? Because you need to have the, uh, I believe you still need to have the send to PC app installed for this to work. So it authenticates your Microsoft account, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's an issue case. Hopefully. I would I would like from apps to build this in though because I think this is a great feature to have, but I I just don't see it happening. So, I mean these are like these are like integration features like these are like Apple like features I could say like uh, integrating these like making the ecosystem like better for their users like if you're using Microsoft stuff then yeah this is gonna be this is gonna be great. Uh, so that's Windows Windows Ten Fall Creators Update. Uh, well, there's one thing that. Uh, we want to talk about uh, the the anti cheat game feature. Oh uh, right, right. Uh, called True Play. Now, what this is is um a few things. It's it's an anti cheating software, like you know, like uh, Valve's VAC and stuff like that. But 
it's it's built into Windows and it is disabled by default. By the way, it's disabled by default, and it only works with games that are UWP games. So like games that come from the Windows Store, Microsoft Store rather. So like uh, there are, there are not many games that are that come uh, from the UWP store, like Forza, like what what else, like Cuphead. I don't know. Uh, any of the Xbox Play Anywhere titles, right? Those yeah, any of the WWE. Xbox Play Anywhere titles. I think Gears of War, I think. Um, yeah, Gears of War. Um, uh, Call of Duty of, came out. Remember remember this controversy, right? Because it's different player bases. Yeah, so any game that's, that's u- that, that uses uh, UWP, the Microsoft Store, to uh, distribute the game, can use uh, True Play, but you have to turn it on. Like you can't. Like the, the game like doesn't use it unless you turn it on. Like the game wouldn't be able to use it unless you turn on the feature. You go to settings um, and, and turn it on. But like, but developers are, can also request the API and have it turned on automatically, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, people are figuring out over this, and I'm like, do you realize this is actually kind of a good thing? Do you do you want a janky third party anti cheat software instead of Microsoft software? Like I. Like, uh, like anti cheat software usually is like, like depending on the software, it can be really, it can be sort of bad. Like, like because the way anti cheat software works, it's like it has to like look deep into like system processes. Like, uh, it, it requires quite a bit of like permissions and like you know, if, if, if Microsoft is implementing their own thing, I think it's uh, it's kind of good. Even though like nobody's gonna actually use it because like who uses the Microsoft Store. Yeah, if since no one buys games for it, it's not going to really take effect, right? But I I think that a hot take here, I guess, right? But having a system vendor implementation of something usually is going to work better than having some third party come in and try and build their own. Like Valve's is good, but Valve, how long they've been working on it? Right? Yeah, Valve's Valve's the Valve system is really old. It has been around for a while. While now they have been obviously tweaking it. A long time. Yeah, Valve and Blizzard probably have good ones. That's because the amount of size and the teams they have working on it, right? Versus the one that uh like Ubisoft's has been broken before. The one Call of Duty uses has been broken, right? Like I it's it's like DRM and cheat systems are always in the in the press are being broken. So I'd rather take one that's made by Microsoft, also has the ability to run more securely, right? So here's the thing. If you're if you're downloading a game from the Steam, like and it has cheat software in it or anti-cheat software, it most likely is doing something that it shouldn't be because it's running as a probably, Win32 yes, app, right? Because it's probably hooking into stuff that you sh- it really like you probably don't want it to hook into. Like it's I mean it's not really scary as if the, if the software is harmless, it, but a lot of the software is buggy as well, so it can like cause crashes when it like hooks into stuff. Uh, and even then you just don't want it seeing things it shouldn't be seeing, right? Like so uh, with, with this at the very least, it's going to be sandboxed off as it runs in UWP apps, right? So you, you know that it's only seeing stuff inside of the game and it's not, and it's not going to be doing anything nefarious if any of your files or have the ability to if anyone wants to take advantage of it or use an exploit in the software. Right. So yeah, that's, that's the thing, right? If it's implemented properly, I, I'm not seeing a problem with this. Uh, I don't see why people are getting mad. I think people just like people just don't like anti cheat software because it's buggy as hell. Uh, usually, uh, third party stuff like Punk Blast, Buster, and like what else? Game Spy back in the day. I think I think Game Spy was a thing that did that. I don't remember, but yeah, like a lot of the software is is, is very like intrusive in many ways. Yeah, so this that's true play. It's coming with the Fall Creators update. It's turned off by default, and if you don't play games from the Microsoft Store, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, because it's but uh, speaking about games, you want to talk about the Xbox One Fall yeah. update? Yes, um, the Fall update. Uh, I have had it for a couple of weeks now. Uh, Fluent design off in full force uh, in the Xbox One. And they redid basically a, a lot of things. Uh, basically everything. They redid like, the site, the dashboard. The, they redid the... Uh, side menu like the i don't know what you call it like the, the, the uh, guide the guide i guess or no no uh, no the guides what's the, the, guides so the, the dashboard top, right? dashboard dashboard's the actual ui itself it's like the um, user interface called the dashboard and the guides yeah. the thing that pops like up when you press the xbox, the xbox button you know the yeah. thing that pops up right the, the yeah we'll just call it the guide for the sake of this podcast that's gonna be the guide we hit the xbox button it's a quick menu and the dashboard's gonna be the home screen so they uh like when we say everything's changed like so the interaction model is still the same, right? It's like tabs at the top. You have your guide where you can go left and right to go through different panels. That stayed the same, but 
the sub the sub layouts, right? Like how the home screen looks, how the community tab looks, how the store tab looks. That's been completely redone. And so, what do you think? What do you, do you like it? Yeah, I I do I do like it. Like it's it's nice. Like I I feel it's more it's more efficient, and the way it's laid out is makes sense. But the thing is, it, it changed again, so that means I have to relearn it, uh, which is which is always a fun time. Uh, like otherwise, I think I think it's like they're trying. The Xbox One's UI has always been a bit uh, janky, to say the least, and unintuitive uh, for a while. And but this, I think, is a good step towards like uh, making it cleaner and more like you know, like putting the putting the stuff that's important up and up front, like an easy access to the stuff that you need, like parties and like uh, chats and messages and stuff. So yeah, it's overall like it's cool. Also, there's a light mode now. If you if you like that kind of thing, uh, you can switch to a light mode. Uh, so that's that's the thing. It's also it's also hella fast. Like this one, this is finally like the first Xbox One UI that's been super snappy. I haven't had any lag with it before. Like the last one wasn't laggy per se, but but there'd be hangs, right? Where you hit the Xbox button and it takes like you can count the amount of seconds before the menu pops up. They've gotten really good at speeding up the UI now, which is what's more important to me, right? And so um, what I think about it is that. The fluent design elements are like, as we said, in full force, and I fucking love it. I think like this is this one changed my opinion on fluent design when I when I got the uh, beta of it a while back, because like the acrylic is used tastefully, the highlights are done well, and I think I talked about it when there's a video, right? We're talking, uh, we we did our preview of it a couple weeks back. I love how things vertically stack on top of each other to show depth and to show place and like. I know I talk a lot about how z-axis don't make sense, but like when done right. The, like the z-axis does make sense here because it's a 10-foot interface right i think that you need that you need that kind of spacing when you're not when you're not that close to the screen to be able to discern elements you need those shadows and so how it how it's done here is done well it's done right and it's really usable i think some folks are complaining about it but it's because microsoft's shifting it and i think at this point microsoft should just stop changing it that much right do slower redesigns like they should be doing like how uh the pc update right small incremental changes i think that's what they're going to be going from now on because i think this is a good base Okay, so with the home screen now, um, they have what they call content blocks. So the first one you're always going to see is your most recent game or the game that's put into the disc. And right below, it's going to show my games and it's going to show your most recently used activities. And also, it will tell you if friends are playing a game, uh, show game hubs, and it'll say, like, if you want to pre order a game or check out a game, it'll show that. And how that's all being surfaced to you, they're, use, they're using a uh, hashtag algorithm, you know, buzzwords. Please. You can actually train it if you hover if you go to a content item you press the three uh the menu button it'll you can you can do the i don't like this option and it's so because all that's being serviced to you algorithmically because you scroll down you have pins afterwards but after that there'll be other content yeah. blocks that'll show up in the feed as you scroll down the home tab and all of those are being surfaced to you automatically those aren't you can you can place you can pin specific blocks there but for the most part what's in those blocks and how those blocks rank in the feed, and if new ones pop up, is because Microsoft wants to uh, surface to you, or they, uh, this, the Cortana, I guess, since it's their AI thing, right, is thinks it's uh, it's important for you to see, or thinks it's something you'll want to see. So it could be, say you're watching a lot of Crunchyroll, and Crunchyroll ties into the One Guide. I do not know if it actually does, but I know that things that plug into One Guide can have blocks that show up in the home tab of TV shows you might like, or music you might like if Spotify wants to plug into that, right? So it's not just games, but for the most part, it's going to be games that pop up there or apps. And you can also hide ads if you keep training it well enough after a while, which is a, a little nice trick. But afterwards, you go to uh, ULF, there's a mixer tab, which is introduced in the last update. This one's gotten a lot of work. They'll do showcase partners, live streams, and they'll tie it towards games you play, right? So they'll be like, oh, you have a lot of hours in Destiny. There's a popular Destiny stream going on. Or, oh, you have a lot of hours in Minecraft. Here's some Minecraft streamers that we think you might like. And they also redid the uh, Mixer streaming on the back end. So now you can stream at 1080p. Uh, you can co-stream with people, I believe. Uh, they made it easier to start streams. And you there's a new um, UI for managing cap game capture. So screenshots and videos. Tweet them out. Send them as a clip to YouTube now. Uh, before you had to use the YouTube app or you can just upload to OneDrive as you've always been able to. There's a new manager for it. You can sort by game. And the community tab has gotten some work into it because they announced at E3 
uh, arena support for doing custom tournaments and stuff, and also clubs. So beforehand, it was kind of shoehorned into there, but now community is going to show the latest from your clubs. It'll show the latest arenas for games you're playing, if there's any tournaments you can join, and it'll also show community events. So uh, say Minecraft, uh, the Minecraft guys, Mojang's having a stream about a new feature. It'll show that in there. Uh, there's a community calendar and all that stuff. So I think I think it's interesting, right? Because if then you go over next over to entertainment, it's just as it's always been one guide if you have your TV plugged into it. Um streaming apps, if Microsoft say having a free anime weekend as they sometimes do for whatever reason, they'll show you that. Or if there's like a new series of a TV show or um I do not know if Spotify plugs in, but I would assume they did with Groove, so there'd be artists and stuff. I think if Spotify plugs in, since I know Groove's going away, Spotify will show new album releases and such. And then the store is the store. The only thing to don't worry about it now is that the logo is a Microsoft bag with a colored logo that people seem to hate because I don't know why I colored LOL color logos in Metro apps. I don't know. But so this is just, besides the home tab being changed, the most of this was really incremental stuff. It's just that them changed to the home screen every six months is annoying. So I... It is annoying, but I think they have to do it at some point. Like if I feel like it was like this thing, like you could, let's just do it and get it over with. Like just... Once that once this is done, I feel like they can start doing more uh, smaller incremental changes uh, over the next uh, few updates. Uh, this is like a new base that they can start from. That's you know actually sort of good, uh, and that sometimes you just gotta start over. Like just gotta redo it the whole thing. I, but uh, I, I like this though. I think it's it's a good update. I think the content blocks are weak right now, right? Because it's not really. Like, I was saying, it could serve you this content. It has not done any of that for me. Microsoft has said it could show you videos and stuff, but none of that has happened yet. I think it's still got to work on that. But I think that this is, it's a good first step in terms of, like, so I would say that from 2000 and, like, what was it, 2012, 2015, when Windows 10 right first came out, until now, they've been sort of like building the base platform. I know we've talked about it for one core stuff and drama to stuff, right? So I think from now, they're now just working. They, they have that platform now, right? Like the, the dashboard is fast enough. The dashboard has a UI that is good enough. Because before it's always been lacking. As much as I want to say it's better than the PS4 one, I just don't like the crossbar. But it has been lacking. It's been slow. It's been sluggish. Things have been confusing. I say this is like the first time there's a base level of everything being good enough. And now they have a stable platform, but hopefully they can just start building on features and incrementing and making new apps or making their UWP apps better. So, so that's the Xbox One uh, follow-up. There's also an, a little bit of a story, I guess, uh, this week. There was an IGN exclusive piece uh, about Xbox One backwards uh, the backwards compatibility on the Xbox one with Xbox 360 and the original Xbox and why that feature was originally supposed to be shipped with the release of the Xbox one but got pushed back uh due to the controversy with the always online uh DRM uh, on the Xbox one which Microsoft had to remove last minute uh because there's just too much backlash over it uh which so. which kind of funny right like in 2017, looking back, they wasted their time. They should have honestly just kept it. Because how many, how many people really use their consoles offline nowadays? It's a good point. I, like, it's, it, I assume like, there's I, some users, right? Yeah, but there's like, some users that have spotty connections or, like, or, or, like, uh, or maybe like they, just, they just play offline a lot. I, I don't know. Some people just do that. They don't, they don't play online games, so they don't see the need to be but online. But I mean, like, most people have their consoles connected to the internet, right? I would say it's... Like just, I'm gonna just do a ballpark guess that has no, uh, that has no like, rooted rooted uh basis in fact. Maybe like ten five percent of people maybe. Because you look at how many people have active Xbox Live accounts, right? You can you can if you tally up the sales of Xbox One versus the amount of active Xbox Live users, they're pretty close and close. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it makes sense to keep like it. If you, if you have it on Wi-Fi, it's like it's not even a, even less of a big deal. You don't even have to keep it plugged in uh, to the internet. But like yeah, so it's always online. Anyway, like it, nowadays, like the Xbox One just does it for license check, right? Uh, it has to do a license check like every what twenty four hours or like I don't know how long how often it has to do. The I think it's check. every week. It does oh, a license okay. Check. That's that, that's yeah. That's that's all right. I guess uh, it's 
That's only for downloaded games. Disc-based yeah. games, you don't have to do a license check for. Yeah, because the license is on the disc. The disc is the license. Uh, yeah. So you don't have to download the license. So there's also a little bit about how this uh, feature had like some specific optimizations on the uh, on the SOC on in the Xbox One, uh, which was interesting to hear. So uh, you can read that over at IGN. We're gonna have a link to the whole. Uh, it was like an interview, I think. Uh, they did. It was like sort of like one of those pieces where they talked to multiple people and, and the team. It was good though. It was like two competing teams originally, right? And then they combined and. Then they slipped a couple instruction sets or something like that. I sorry, my my knowledge of CPUs is shit. They put they didn't put any specific hardware on the SOC that ships the Xbox One, but they slipped in some kind of some bits to make it to to help uh, render some of the shaders and stuff that original Xbox at 360 games would use. Uh, but besides that, most of this is all software, and it's uh it's, it's good an interesting stuff. it's an interesting look um, at. Like sort of like the history of this console because a lot of Xbox One, like it's a, it's a series of unfortunate events uh, with the Xbox One really like the, the way why it's not popular like there was a lot of like when it first was launched at uh, E3 I remember Sony had like a joke about the online always online DRM. Uh, Sony had this little gag where they would have like this game and like they would actually just share it with a friend because they would make a joke about uh, always online DRM and uh, being able to share games. Uh, but yeah, so like a lot of all this stuff was PR. Like uh, they had to save, like they had to like stop the backlash. You know, like this all this like interesting console history stuff for the Xbox One, I guess. Um, and with the launch of the Xbox One X on the horizon. Uh, oh yeah, what I, 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 I think is even more interesting too is that like with how original Xbox game backwards compatibility, right? Like these are not just straight emulations. These are running at 1080p on an Xbox One, 4K on an Xbox One X. And they're being pushed out to 60 frames per second. So, right, so Microsoft's saying that it's going to be slow and there's not going to be a lot of original Xbox games on the uh, store because, A, some of these companies no longer exist, so they do not have anyone to talk to about licensing the games out. And, B, they're literally going through and making sure they don't run at 1080p 60 with nothing breaking. Yeah, so it's they have to, like, verify these games actually work and the developers are still willing to license them. Uh, if they still exist, that is. Uh, so that, yeah. that's also... And even too, if the developers still exist, right? Sometimes you can't do it because like music licenses have expired. I know there's yeah, some music, PC oh. games that have had yeah for music, music licenses. Uh, music licenses are a huge problem. Uh, like a lot of the games that have licensed music in them, uh, sometimes they don't get like a permanent license. Like they they get a ex- license that expires, and then yeah, that's that's a whole other mess. Yeah, legal issues. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to be dealt with when you, when you do games like. Uh, backwards compatible stuff like this. So. Uh, cleaning up with our Microsoft news this week. This is Microsoft heavy this week. Uh, Surface Book Two got announced. Uh, this is the MacBook Pro competitor, really. Uh, at this point, the 13 inch would be the 13 inch MacBook Pro competitor, and the 15 inch is, which is new, mind you, the new yeah, 15, 15 inch computer. The new 15 inch is definitely a competitor with the uh, MacBook uh, Pro 15 inch. And and it's looking good. Like it's 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 looking like a solid competitor. Like at the price range and at the uh, specs that it's coming with, uh, at the starting specs even, it's 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 a good good PC. Uh, yeah, it's uh they didn't get rid of the gap because apparently, uh, Microsoft said they they internally prototyped it, but they found that it'd be too much engineering effort, right, to to get rid of the gap when the gap exists. So, because it's top heavy, this device is even if you have the one with the built-in GPU. It is a top-heavy device because all the processor, the SSD, all that lives in the screen. So that that hinge looks that way. So when you hit the screen with your finger, it doesn't fly back, and it can support the weight of the screen. Yeah, it's just physics, really. You just have to deal with physics uh, for that. But yeah, it starts. Uh, so the 15-inch is starting at two four nine nine, and the 13-inch starts at one four nine nine US dollars. Um, I mean that fifteen inch model is, is is extremely competitive. I think uh, with with the current uh, MacBook Pro, it's a little bit more expensive than the MacBook Pro, but uh, just by yeah. it being a Windows machine, GPU yeah. performance is going to be better, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> probably. And like that that GPU is is significant. That GPU power there is, is significant. And yeah, this is just a beast of machine. A beast this is of like, machine. 
this is the work the workhorse Windows machine, right? Like if you yep. need something for video editing, if you run Adobe software, if yeah. You also, music yeah, it's just like if you really want a good like, like you want like the best Windows experience. Like honestly, the Surface computers are like like the experience. Like these are like these are products like it's, they're expensive mostly because like they don't like they, they probably don't sell a lot of these in the first place. Uh, there's not enough volume, but also that these are like you don't get any bloatware on these machines. This is just it's just Windows. Yeah, and there's Windows uh, 10 builds that are made to work for this, right? Like, yeah, the, there's always it's optimized for specifically, it. and you get support from the Microsoft Store, so you can like take it to the Microsoft Store, and like yeah, if if anything breaks, you know, you have like a warranty, and like you know, you can return it and get it serviced. And um, also, um, these the space bars on these keyboards won't stick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's not not a shitty keyboard. is is a plus apparently in 2017 with on a high end laptop. But yeah, that's that's what we're dealing with. Uh, yeah, but you can this you can charge so so USB C. I don't know if we mentioned that, which is uh, not over to Thunderbolt three because so the the chipset in this it has depending on the model you get you can get a quad core eighth generation Intel chip or a dual core seventh generation Intel chip just for the fact that eighth generation dual core laptop chips do not exist right now because LOL Intel shipping schedule. But there's no Thunderbolt 3, I imagine, just for the fact that getting chipset support for it is something that wasn't possible in the configuration Microsoft wanted. Uh, USB-C is a mess. Yeah, so there's a, the, so there's a, uh, yeah, there's a standard USB-C and uh, two USB-A ports. So you're covered for both. Uh, there's also an SD card slot. Uh, there's a headphone jack. Uh, so something no, that needs warned needs that needs to be said in 2017 2017 and like you don't have to worry about dongles like any the only dongle you'll need is if you if you use uh ethernet ports uh, you just need a ethernet dongle i guess yeah but then there's uh it's, it's a it's a nvidia 1060 it, on the 15 inch a, yeah uh, on the 15 inch. inch is the 1060 and on the 13 inch it's uh it's on it's a 1050 but not on the base model it doesn't have a uh dedicated gpu it has probably an integrated uh, Intel GPU, but yeah. So this is this is this is a new, I guess, top of the line Microsoft Windows laptop. Uh, like if you have that kind of budget, it's it's definitely worth looking at. Like if you want a high end that Windows laptop with decent support uh, from Microsoft itself. So it's like you know software and hardware support. So it's just this is just a great computer that neither me nor you need. But like for the ten people who need this computer, it's gonna be yeah. great. Yeah, it's like the most people, people who you're need... better off getting a Surface laptop, right? But if you need yeah. that power, if you want to play games on the go, like yeah. fuck a gaming laptop, just buy the 15 inch one. Yeah, like just drop the uh, three grand or whatever it's going to cost in Canada uh, to get that. But it's 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 a it's a workhorse. Like the the people who buy this kind of machine, like uh, usually for works. Like I would imagine this would sell well with uh, like you know, like uh, graphics design or like video production firms and stuff like that or like it's, um our friend mark right he does yeah. he does ship design like yeah. autocad that kind of stuff yeah and his company gives him a surface book yeah that's that makes sense it's, it's good machines uh, uh you can get support for them so that's also a plus you have to dell you don't have to deal with hp or dell uh that's yeah it's thing. always it's always so much better like so as i was saying my laptop's been uh acting up right it is so much better to just give it to a person, like an actual human being, and not someone over the phone, and just be like, "What's wrong with this?" And then they fix it for you there, right? Like, yeah, customers for over the phone. It's great that it exists, but always having like an actual person you can talk to, yeah, in in like a physical place is even better. Yeah, especially with this physical products, uh, they're expensive, and you don't want to like cross ship them or whatever. You take it to a store and get it fixed, and take uh, get it back from the store, stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that is nice to have. Like, it's this is why people like. People like buy stuff like Apple Care and like you know the Apple's retail presence is important, and I think Microsoft is Microsoft retail presence is also important here. Uh, so that's a thing. Uh, so that's Microsoft. Uh, it's a lot of Microsoft news. We're gonna move on like quickly. I think there's two things to talk about: the new Google Pixel Two XL uh, reviews are out for it, uh, and uh, turns out turns out LG still cannot make phone OLEDs. Uh, so. Yeah, so um, I wish before let's preface this by saying the smaller Pixel uses the Samsung OLED. Yeah. Samsung OLEDs are great. There's nothing wrong with that one. That's a good phone. Get that one. It's the larger Pixel XL that has a uh, bad screen. Bad screen. Uh, it looks gritty. Like it looks the color reproduction is weird. There's 
this this some people have reported screen burn in problems and google is investigating that there's like screen color there's also like a new problem where like uh there's some hardware defect you can hear like uh some noise from like, so my hussing or hissing yeah, and his whining from like the from... cpu i know some iphone 7s also had that at launch um so what like with the display what's it's doing it's banding and it's shifting so if you have uh if you have certain colors on screen and you tilt the device the colors will shift to be a different hue and also the display will band where at lower at lower brightnesses you can see vertical lines on the screen or you can see uh grittiness like that happened to my MacBook before. Remember, I sent you sent you that picture where there's vertical lines. That's that's banding. That's what that looks like. It's um, you don't want that on a thousand dollar phone. No, uh, no. This, I like over here. The top of the line Pixel Two XL is like one thousand five hundred ish Canadian dollars, and at that price range, um, yeah, like that's I'm I would just, if I bought that phone and I had these issues, I would I would just return it. Like I I would just be like, yeah, no, that's, that's not. You return it and get an iPhone, right? Yeah. Like basically, like this is this is this is kind of bad because it just like mars the whole pixel as a as a competitor and like, uh, like you know straight out of the gate it's it's gonna be like people are gonna be like the Pixel Two XL had a terrible screen and stuff like that. So yeah, I can't. So I can take low resolution screens. I just can't take bad colors. And yes. I'm aware, like I'm aware. Me me and Static here are coming from like golden parachutes, high high levels of privilege. Because we we are both display snobs. I think I might be more of one than he is. Yeah, but like I I, but I, I, I do notice by this. too many nice displays. I I my my computer monitors are like Dell IPS displays and my uh iphone obviously uh it's 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 obviously iphone 7 plus has an extremely good display so it's like yeah like w- w- when you have good displays and it's like you have obvious issues like these bad this banding and like this weird color reproduction it's it's noticeable like it's and at this price range like honestly it's it's not a, it's not really an ex- you can't really excuse it like the quality control here is garbage like uh google should really stop just stop using uh, LG for anything really, but yeah, LG like this problem also exists on the apparently the V thirty, uh, another one of LG's phones. So you know, that's a this is just an LG problem. So yeah, that's so, uh, I would say don't don't get the Pixel two XL because the problem yeah, is if you're seeing this get the if you Pixel two yeah, the if small you are seeing if you this within the first week of it coming out, it's gonna be a sh- it's gonna be just bad all yeah, going down yeah. right. Like I mean, a year and a half from now, it's yeah, going to look like, even worse. If you can even get one of these phones, like if you order now, it's going to be like back order till like uh, January. So uh, that's also a thing. Uh, I wonder though how the iPhone X is going to look. Like how how is Apple going to do their OLEDs, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a Samsung OLED, right? Uh, that's but that's at what the end of the day Samsung. though, iOS is super white. Like at the Apple Watch, it gets away if using an OLED because everything's black, right? On yeah, the screen elements. Yeah, but I, Apple is just embracing the white the white backdrops and all that. So yeah, I wonder how yeah. those are going to age. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see when it comes out. Uh, uh, pre-orders are open for that on Friday. Speaking of uh, speaking of phones that are not shit, uh, Christian, you want to talk about? Uh... Yeah, so I got a uh, I got an iPhone eight last week. I know how I said. I'm pretty sure I said we talked about the phone that I was not going to get one. But my problem is, so I had a success. It was fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, just that I had no space. I I got I was silly and got a 16 gig model, and I I hated playing the game of like storage management. So I kept getting these low storage alerts, even with iCloud photos turned on, no music on the device, right? After a while, just caching emails and all that makes phone storage. And I was like, there's a gig left. iOS keeps yelling at me. I'm done. There's a trick I had, actually. So if you go to the uh, iTunes movie store, look up the movie Lawrence of Arabia. It is a six gig movie because it's like four hours long. If you try and buy it, but don't, do the Touch ID confirmation or do the uh, enter your iTunes password. It it will assuming you're you have less than like five gigs left on your device. It'll clear out the cache and save you like eight gigs of data. So I would consistently do that when I was low on data and I got sick. Yeah, of it. that's that's just yeah. This is this is why I have the one twenty eight gig uh, iPhone seven plus and I had the one twenty eight gig six plus. Uh, and Christian just went up full on ahead and when they got the 256 gig. yeah i got 256 gig uh small iphone 8 not the plus um the gold model the new gold color and yo this gold baller i'm gonna just say it right now i like it it's millennial pink mixed gold to be like this like off-brand color uh, like copper color and i love it the glass back looks nice like 
So what Apple did now, so there's a glass back, obviously, we talked about, but the iPhone text and the Apple logo are under the glass. So it has this kind of like dithering effect on the edges where the color will bleed out into the glass because how light hits it. And it's the polished aluminum one. So it looks super nice. Um, there's no longer any text on the back of the phone or the FCC or regulatory stuff. It just says iPhone now and nothing else, which looks super clean. The antenna lines are gone except for on the side of the device. I like how the glass wraps into the um, side of the phone too. So I was watching, I was looking at the iFixit teardowns. How they do it is glass. There's a little bit of plastic molded on the corner to bend into the aluminum, which helps it drops. So if you drop your phone on the corner, the glass won't shatter. Because it's not the glass touching the aluminum, right? There's a little plastic in between. It's like a plexiglass, so it um, help make it more shatterproof and help keep it water resistant. And so also, this is water resistant. So the other day, I went to a, uh, I went snorkeling at this like cavern. It's like you go down 30 feet and it's like 100 feet of water, right? It's 100 feet deep. You go snorkeling and there's fishes and stuff. I brought a bag to take pictures underwater, but I didn't seal it right. So I just look at my phone sinking and I'm like, oh God. But I managed to get a video while underwater and uh, everything works fine. So it's a uh, waterproofing is good. Um, the new cameras are great. These, these front-facing cameras good, back-facing cameras good. The fact that I don't get portrait mode on the smaller phone is bullshit because I... I didn't want to get a bigger one because of the bezels. Like, I just, I think those bezels are too much. But uh, battery life also has been great. Nine hour, nine and a half hours of, like, screen on time has been the usual, uh, which is amazing. On my iPhone 6S, I had the uh, battery case. That would be, like, two and a half days, right? But that's a battery case. But so now, like, getting a full day of, like, decently good usage. Like, I don't want to say it's not heavy usage because I'm at work or whatever. I have my phone in my pocket most of the time but it's, it's moderate usage and that's great. Um, the new home button is weird. Yeah, so how do you feel about that? How, have you gotten used to it yet? Uh, I got used to it very quickly because yeah, remember, I have, yeah. I have the MacBook. I have the MacBook yeah. with the force. I have the touch. My So MacBook trackpads are the same way as the uh, home button on iPhones now where it's no longer a button. It's all that tactic stuff. So it was, as soon as I, I mean, I turned it all the way onto the hardest clickiness because I don't know, that's, I like it at that. I like getting that much vibration from it or feedback. Um, the amount of, clickiness ios has in the ui now is weird like you like you scroll things you do the tickers you like you hear it you if i double click with uh no apps open on the home button it'll like rattle rattle the device which is interesting um this screen is better than the iphone 6s because that is true tone uh which i actually like i know some people don't like it because it might make their screen a little bit too yellow but i don't mind warmer displays um device is super fast I've never, there's no, no stutters at all. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, these SOCs are ridiculous. Uh, Apple's SOCs just leave basically everyone else in the dust. There's no, not even competition. Yeah, though, it's, uh, these new speakers are also really good. They're yeah. louder than yours too, right? Like Apple's increased the, uh, oh, they did. Okay. The, the loudness on them. So they sound clear. They sound loud. There's not that much bass, but I don't, ex- the phone's small. I don't expect bass. No, I, I use, I, I, I don't listen to music with those. I just, play podcast and you don't need bass yeah like it's super good for voice um also one thing i want to talk about too is that it's how it's interesting with like so you know how the apple watch has that pebble design i like how they've been slowly bringing that over to the iphone right so the iphone 6s had that kind of design you could see like it wasn't like fully pebble shaped it just had like it had a slab and then with this one if you look closely at the glass it has that 3d glass stuff that the iphone had but it it's more like the Apple Watch now where it tapers onto the device, right? So the back glass is seamless with the metal. And then this one, there's like a little bit of a lip where it sort of shoots up at like a 45 degree angle and then it flattens out to being a flat piece of glass, which is how the, how the Apple Watch does it, which is interesting that I like how Apple's keeping, keeping these consistent. Yeah, I, I want to like try these, like the glass back. I don't know how, how that would feel, but I, it's the less slippery. Yeah, the only thing I miss is my matte black, my my aesthetic color. You know, I gotta have it. But you get the shiny uh, black now. It's even yeah, black but like it's right? shiny. That's it's shiny. Like I don't I don't want the shiny one. But oh, that's um, true because the black will will get fingerprints. Uh, yeah. this one it's light enough where I do not see fingerprints. Yeah, on the back. Yeah, I mean, if if it's light enough, uh, if I if I switch to a different color, yeah, then that's fine. But if you have the black one, I think you'd see the fingerprints. But also, uh, rip the headphone jack. 
Well, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to the dongle life, I guess. Uh, I have. What do you mean? Oh, I, I mean, is that what do you mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. You have the AirPods. I forget. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, AirPods. no. Have you not seen the the thing I'm using to record this on right now? I have yeah. the uh, USB C to HDMI USB and the power. Right. Yeah. I've been living that dongle life for a year and a half. Don't worry about it. I know that dongle life. <laughs> the king of dongles. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like the dongle life is fine. Whatever. Um, yeah. It's a good. It's a good phone. I like it. Yeah. So that's that's the iPhone eight, uh, iPhone basic, right? Like it's this is just the this is why like I know I was talking I was talking to Static about it and we we're playing video games the other day we we're playing like Forza and it's like Apple has kept the same design for three years which is a boring but b means that you can get better battery life out of the same enclosure, you can get you can fit more components into it because your device miniaturization all that stuff right and it's just like it's just a phone that works yeah and I don't think it's a bad design either I don't I don't think it's a design that has aged too badly. Yeah, it's like if you want a phone that doesn't have a bad screen, that isn't going to give you like weird performance issues like a Samsung phone will a year from now, it doesn't have burnout. Like it's like the Pixel 2 and any of the iPhone 8s are like your choices for phones that are consistently great or they're consistently good at everything, right? Like the iPhone is great in some parts and the Google Pixel is great in other aspects, but they have a baseline level of goodness, which has, which other phones still fail to reach, right? So it's like, you can just tell someone to buy a Pixel 2 or small or buy an iPhone 8, right? And they're not going to complain about the device, which is what I want. I want my devices to be boring. I want things to be stable. And that's why I like, I like this phone. Yeah, let, let's see. What do you think about uh, the boring one when the X comes out in a bit, uh, I guess? <laughs> I, I wasn't going to get an X anyways. I can't. I spent 1300 on my laptop. I can't spend 1200 on my phone. Yeah, that's that price. At that price, it's getting a bit. A bit, a little bit ex- extreme. Uh, I mean, I'll sit on Animoji. I really wanted that just for the yeah, shit post. Yeah, but also I... this is this is a first gen uh, design for Apple. The OLED screen. The it's a first gen Apple product too. So you know, yeah, uh, yeah. what what spacebar will be sticking on the new iPhone, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, like like imagine like the first first Apple Watch. Ish. That was that was a hard time. Mine's uh, still kicking, running good. I, I get better yeah. battery life on my watch now. Because I guess the iPhone uh, 8 has a newer Bluetooth sensor. That yeah, uses it less power rate. Yeah. So I've been getting better battery life on my watch, which is a weird side effect. Yeah. So that's that's iPhone 8. Uh, uh, next week, we uh, the, the pre-orders open. I don't know if review units have already been sent out on what. Uh, probably see oh, the iPhone that. X, there's, there's a video of it. Someone recorded a vlog at Apple. I think it was like a 14-year-old kid whose father worked at Apple. And then uploaded a video of her playing with her dad's iPhone X. And you can see in the video when she's like, oh, we're printing out our visitor badges. And there's a screen that the father's tapping and it says, no recording past this point. <laughs> some kid's in trouble. But yeah, like, some kid's in why trouble. Did her dad, why did her dad let her record that video? Her yeah, dad works was... at Apple, right? Like, yeah, her dad's that's... close enough to the iPhone team to have an iPhone X before launch. <laughs> like, how? You gotta... It's on the father. It's on the father. Like OPSEC, come on. Come on. Get 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 yourselves a better OPSEC. What are you doing? Uh, and I think with that, I think we're gonna close off uh this episode. Um you can always find us uh twoshadesofbrown.com. Uh the show notes are there. Uh you can also contact us via email, contact at twoshadesofbrown.com and on Mastodon. Uh I am at static safe at mastodon.zombacloud.com and Christian. Um I I'm I'm using Twitter for a bit now. I don't know. So you know, here's here's a Twitter handle. Let's switch things up. Uh, at Josephine on Twitter.com. Don't send me hate, please. <laughs> uh, with that, goodbye. Bye.